Good evening, afternoon, you are listening to Ouch, My 30s, the podcast talking about the decade that no one prepared us for. Uh, Been a little while since we've chatted, Uh, I think the last time we spoke I was in, I didn't post that episode because I recorded it on my MacBook and the sound was shitty by accident, Uh, but let's see, let me see if I can quickly recap the end of my road trip. I uh, got to Charlotte, North Carolina, saw my stepbrother, we laughed, he showed me his AR-15 and like assault shotgun, uh, he works in the correctional uh, business, although that doesn't sound like a real job, that sounds like a fucking uh, superhero, that's like a euphemism for being a vigilante, he works in the correction industry, uh, but no, he works with like juvenile delinquents or whatever, uh, actually I don't even, the point is I went to see my stepbrother, uh, then I saw my stepfather, uh, who I've not seen in a very long time. And, uh, you know, Derek, my stepdad, he talks like this. He's a 6'4", strong black man. But he has a high-ass voice. Uh, and weirdly, over the years, I've learned to appreciate him and love him. I hated him. Well, I didn't hate him. I just didn't like him that much when I was growing up. Because he was a hard-ass. He was a corrections officer and a drill sergeant in the Army. Which, I mean, he was a delight. And, uh, you know, being like a... A precocious 16-year-old going to private school, you know, dealing with my sort of traditional stepfather. Uh, you know, we didn't mesh all the time. But over the years, I've really learned to appreciate the guy. And, uh, you know, he kept me and my mom safe. Once my mom's uh, drunk, one of my mom's drunk ex-boyfriends showed up at the house while my stepfather was there. Earlier on in their relationship. And my stepfather's uh, and my mom's relationship. And, uh, you know, I was like 11 years old. I was like fast asleep, wrapped in my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle blankets. And I hear all this like fighting and, and arguing in the hallway outside my bedroom and all this crashing, all this stuff falling to the ground. And they come, my stepfather and my mom's drunk ex-boyfriend, they come crashing through my bedroom door. And I'm startled awake out of my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle blankets. And I look up and my stepfather draws his service weapon. Uh, 38 stub-nosed pistol and aims it directly at my mom's drunk ex-boyfriend's head and he pulls the hammer back and I remember looking up at him in that moment and saying to myself he's wearing a fanny pack it was 1994 so he had on purple jeans a fanny pack and one of those old top dog t-shirts that was just like just plain mean without my coffee and then he pulled the trigger and blew his head off ha 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 no, just kidding. He didn't pull the trigger. But he should have, because my mom's drunk ex-boyfriend was a real piece of shit, like many of the men that she associates herself with. But all that aside, me and Derek caught up, and I told him about the situation with my dad, and uh, he had a lot to say about it, for sure. He hasn't spoken to my mom in 10 years or whatever, uh, and I doubt they'll ever speak again. Uh, but the one weird moment, there were two moments that Derek, in his older age now, you know, he's an older man than when he was when we were, uh, when, we were when I was a kid. And uh, I told him my stepdad, my my dad, my biological father, started screaming at me. When he would, remember the crab legs? I want some crab legs, B. Uh! He started, <laughs> my dad does not sound like Mr. T, but that's how he was candling himself. My dad, when he was yelling about me trying to like lock down, you know, do a quarantine thing, uh, he just he turned into Mr. T, uh, and that's his fault. But I told my stepfather Derek that my dad yelled at me in my face and was like getting all kind of like you know. Hur! with me and Derek goes he yelled and it was in that moment I was like wow this guy after all these years still fucking cares he hasn't seen me in 10 years 
but at one point I was a kid that he was responsible for looking after. And I kind of got choked up, you know, this here, here, my stepdad be, you know, you know, concerned that like my father, you know, was behaving in a way that perhaps he should not have. So yeah, we caught up, we shot the shit. Uh, he had plenty more to say about the situation, but no need to air all dirty laundry. But as I was leaving him, he said, so Devere, what's your plan? I said, I don't know, man. I just had to get out of the house. I had to get away from my mom and my, my dad and that whole situation. I really did not feel good about it. So I just kind of put all my shit in my car and I'm just kind of bopping around from hotel to hotel and stuff. And Derek looked at me and he said, you need a place to crash. I'll just open up the goddamn garage door. You come on in. <laughs> he really does kind of sound like that. Uh, but the point is, like when I was like 18 or something or 17, I remember I crashed at their house, my stepdad and my mom's house when they were living together, when I was too drunk to get to my house, which was nearby. So I just like let myself in and crashed on the uh, on the on the on the couch in the den. And Derek was getting up at five o'clock to go to his you know corrections job to to go you know go down to the correctional facility that he worked at. And he saw me on the couch. He said, "My house ain't no motherfucking crash pad. Get your ass up." So that was you know fifteen years ago or whatever. And now he offers me his home to uh, sleep in. So it was weird. It was a nice, I don't know. It was sweet. You know, it was full circle. And this is like a really tough, you know, really highly wound up dude. But I think we all get softer in our old age. And it's just interesting because black men deal with a lot. And again, I'm not insensitive to my father. And I don't, this is not like my dad podcast. I'm, I'm, we're slowly getting out of that. Uh, but to black men, have to shoulder a lot and there's not a lot of uh, recourse for black men to kind of deal with all this anger and frustration that uh, they deal with. You know, my father being on one side of it, being uh, on the wrong side of the law and my stepfather being on the other side of it, uh, being a law enforcement individual. And my mom really wanting me to be a stand-up comedian for uh, being romantically involved with both of them, uh, one after the other. Yeah. So I don't know. It was good to see that side of the family, and kind of it kind of gave me some grounding because I don't know. I, I never thought that that my step family would be the family that I kind of, you know, I don't know, connected with. Uh, but yeah, I mean, your family is who you're raised with. Your family's not necessarily, uh, you know, those you share blood with. And again, if you're in my family and you're listening to this, calm the fuck down. Can a guy think out loud for a second here? Uh, I have no malice towards anyone. In my family, I have sympathy for a lot of them, but that does not mean that you have to be close to family in order to love them. You know, there are a lot of people that I care about, but I don't need to sit down to coffee with them every goddamn day. So that being the case, that was North Carolina. Uh, I then drove to Charleston, South Carolina, uh, where they don't give a fuck about coronavirus, man. I got out my car and they're just like, why is that nigger wearing a mask? Uh <laughs> And, you know, and mind you, I'm wearing my uh, barber sapper jacket with my uh, Banana Republic slim fit uh, traveler pant and my uh, boat shoes, um, which means nothing. You're still a nigger to them. Uh, but yeah, I didn't party. I just kind of drove around Charleston, which is really beautiful. It's a fucking gorgeous city. Um, but everyone just looks like Will Ferrell and he's bounding down. Uh, I could feel it in my plums. Ashley Schaefer. You will. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so then I went to Myrtle Beach, which is the hoodest beach I've ever seen in my entire life. It's just, and it's like corny, because the South, 
with the hood is always like 10 years behind. So they, they're just like, they have the soundtrack of uh, Bad Boys 2. Oh, that Nelly song. I guess it's not a good good impression of that Nelly song. And DeVal's illustrious rapping career. I'll leave that to my half-brother, George. Shout out. Uh, Who was mad at me because I said called them niggas and shit? It's fucking term of endearment, all right? You guys have been calling each other that and me that my entire life. I'm throwing it back at you. Uh, well, you guys never called me a little, that little nigga. Um, so yeah, Myrtle, Myrtle Beach was just like the deepest hood. Everyone had fucking raised Cadillacs with like spinners and shit. Uh, and I got out of there with the quickness. Oh God. So what, what's, I don't even know what the point of this is. So yeah, that was the end of the road trip. Um, reflections, reflections on the road trip. Everyone here is living in a fucking police state, uh, of fear, which given the reality of the situation that we're in, makes sense. Um, you know, New York State, New York City, highly dense, highly populated regions where the spread of this infectious disease uh, can spread a lot quicker. We've seen that. But at what point do we start to look at the data that is coming out and realize, and yes, this isn't like a anti-shutdown or lockdown quarantine thing. We needed to do that. But the paralyzing fear that I can tell is still ingrained in everyone and will be ingrained in everyone for a long time is kind of is the dissonance that we're seeing in these other states that are like, hey, look, uh, we're not New York City. Uh, We don't have a lot of deaths or cases and no one appears to be dying in the street at random. So we're going to get back to our lives because we have work to do and can't telecommute uh, and rent a house in upstate New York while we telecommute for our six-figure job in Manhattan. Which brings me to my point. Let me take a sip of my rosé. Hold on. I'm the, I'm the most contradictory, hypocritical, bougie negro on the planet. Let me tell you about gentrification and the affluent people. Uh, how much I hate them. Hold on. Let me sip my rosé. <coughs> Busy in the front, short in the back. Uh, oh, I fucked that up. Short in the front, long in the back. Busy, but not precocious. That's an old Dennis Miller joke. And he's talking about the International House of Pancakes. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know. Yeah. I used to do a Dennis Miller impression. Uh, talking about social justice warriors. Like if Dennis, if 80s Dennis Miller was still around. He'd do a little uh, something like this. Uh, uh, revolutions in the air. <laughs> I haven't seen liberal white people this worked up since John Brown raided the federal repository at Harper's Ferry preceding the events of the Civil War. Okay, do me a favor, Sarah, who just graduated from Bard College. Why don't you should take back to Illinois, go back to your alt-right conspiratorial tinfoil hat-wearing parents, and convince them not to vote for Trump a second time before you realize that you are... Su- yeah, all right, that's gotten a little, a little much there. Sojourner Truth, you are not. Okay? <laughs> and that was a Dennis Miller impression. Uh, which brings me to my current point. So right now, I'm back in Kingston, New York. And there are a lot of Warby Parker... Uh, uh, just above the nut... Just below the nutsack shorts... Um, Colby College crew t-shirt wearing. Farmer's market attendant. 
Audi driving, wheeling and dealing, son of a gun gentrifiers, uh, have showed up to do it all over again. Now, gentrification in and of itself I fucking hate, but it's also an economic necessity of the system in which we live. You have money, you want to buy a house somewhere else, fine. This is entirely different, and this is the hypocrisy that I'm talking about. So those same people who either poo-pooed me for driving across the country and, and, and not observing mandatory travel uh, or being and, and or not being socially distant are like those dumb rednecks who are all going to die because they're going to go to a bar in South Carolina. Those stupid Trump rednecks. Hmm. Those, so, those same people that say that are hopping in their fucking Audi with their lesbian girlfriend who pegs them and driving up to upstate New York to Airbnb a house for $6,200 a month while they ride out this pandemic, bringing with them whatever infectious disease that they do or do not know they have to bring to a smaller community that will uh, uh, entertain and uh, acquiesce to their uh, desires. Um, it's fucking annoying. And these, for, one, for many reasons. Number one, they don't acknowledge anyone. I'm sitting in front of the coffee shop that I go to, owned by two very lovely people, Amanda and Anthony, Rough Draft, Barn Books. My books actually sold their How to Manage Your Girlfriend's White Guilt. Uh, I'm sitting in front, and this fucking couple is like four and a half feet in front of me, and they're just like looking through the window that's behind me, being like, oh, wow, yeah, oh, I didn't know they had coffee up here. We should go inside. Oh, what do you think? Let's check the Yelp reviews first. Uh." And I look at them, and I go, you just escaped from New York? And the guy looks at me and then, like, looks away as if, like, he like he just thinks he's not going to respond. And then I stare at his girlfriend, who's like, uh, who then nervously laughs and says, oh, uh, are we that obvious with our masks? Ha ha ha. Which, number one, is like, oh, yeah, we don't wear masks up here because it's all free and easy. Uh, I was wearing a mask. And I was like, no, there's just not a lot of new young people. It's a small community. Blah, blah, blah. Basically, I was just like, yeah, have fun. He's like, thanks, bro appreciate it they're just so fucking condescending and they come up here yelling in the middle of the street with their fucking uh air earbuds earbuds yeah the earbuds having their fucking conference call pushing their shitty translucent uh ugly as sin baby and their goddamn ferrari uh push carriage baby carriage in the middle of the street being like yeah you know four thousand dollars isn't gonna be enough for the down payment so uh let's just circle back and put a pen in that one okay ciao yelling like it's fucking Bedford Avenue and it's like hey guy respect the new environment you just showed up in okay so again these people are happy to go somewhere else where no one's going to see them disappear uh with their cloak of finance it's an angry episode I've been kind of pissed off So it's like they're happy to sh- to wave their finger at Floridians who just want to go to a fucking beach or redneck contractors who just want to go back to work. But it's okay for them to leave the epicenter of uh, the coronavirus in the United States and drive up the fucking uh, Taconic State Parkway, Taconic State Parkway, uh, to uh, medically and in- gen- medically gentrify a new area until New York City's safe enough for them to go back to. It's fucking hypocritical. They're pieces of shit. And I got these goddamn lesbian neighbors who just always are so goddamn theatrical about everything they fucking do. They go outside. Uh, gay wife? Gay wife? Where's our, where's our adopted biracial child? I don't know, gay wife. Let's go find them. Oh, gay uh, biracial adopted daughter. There you are. 
Where's our dog, named after a borough in Manhattan? Oh, we're so picturesque and fucking cliche! Oh, boy. Alright. Well... I don't even know what this is about. Uh, let's let's tie all this together here, Deval. So uh, I was happy to see the United States of America during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, the farther south you go, the less they care. Probably because there's actually there's a lot of cases down there, so to speak, uh, or not so to speak. I guess they are, they are, but comparatively, when you consider population density, um, maybe it's just not as much of a concern for these people. And if they're all dead in a month, well, hey, you got me. But if they're not, maybe let's start to relax a little bit here. Because I think we're seeing the numbers that were associated with this disease when they first tried to sell it to us are not the reality that we're currently living in. So let's consider that. And uh, family's fine, I guess. I I realize I had more family than I realized. And uh, I hope in time everybody can just be chill. But I need my own space to kind of figure out. I want to build my own family. I need to build my own family. Uh, Because I'm tired of dealing with the uh, sins of my own family and their... uh, pathologies that cripple generation upon generation upon gender fucking ration. And uh, rich white liberals, once again, are being hypocritical by leaving New York City in the midst of this pandemic to go to smaller hamlets that they can uh, economically uh, be insulated from the reality that everyone else here has to live in uh, and then have all their food delivered to them and live in their little uh, microcosms of Manhattan that they've built for themselves until the government says it's safe enough for them. God, I sound super right-wing today. Uh, hmm. All right. Well, I had fun, guys. This has been... Oh, yeah. Ouch, my 30s. What did I do to myself? Oh, I had really bad heartburn after that drive. Whoo, I came back. I had bubble guts. I, like, vomited. My throat was, like, singed from the acid and shit. It was terrible. And I went to my doctor, and they did what I what I really hope they didn't they weren't gonna do. He's like, "All right, Prilosec, take the take the OTs, take the over the counter, take the Prilosec," which I hear like ruins your gut biome and or genome or whatever the fuck, and like gives you osteoporosis over long term use. Ouch, my thirties. Here's what this podcast is really about: slippery elm. If you have heartburn, and your doctor, well, all right, I'm not a medical professional, but for me. I tried this slippery elm and it really fucking helped. Basically, it's a supplement that kind of coats your digestive tract with a gel type mucus or helps restore the mucous membranes that get rocked by the acidity in our body. So, hey, a little little practical nugget for you guys. Uh, Slippery elm, if you have heartburn. Potentially. I'm not a doctor. This isn't medical advice. Uh, And then my ear hurts because I tried to clear my nose really hard and I think I... It did something bad. But one problem at a time, guys. Hey, enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. God bless America. Fuck these rich white liberals who are going to destroy America before any fake KKK that doesn't really exist in any organized manner ever will. Thanks, guys.